Welcome to yet another beautiful Friday. This is the fourth and final week of Advent, the Angel's Candle, the Candle of Peace. I am Dan Van Zalen. This is Speaking for Him with your host, Andrew Gummison. Hello, hello everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed these um, podcasts. And unfortunately, I didn't go back to the word picture as I've been intending to, but just envision with me, if you will, a wreath that has three candles, and today we will um, light the fourth. And uh, it, again, it's called the Angel's Candle, the Candle of Peace. And Daniel, Daniel, if you will read our quote of the day, we'll kick things off. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. And before we get too far in, Daniel has one final Advent fact. Yes. One of the first mentions of an Advent calendar appeared in 1851 in a children's book by German author Elise Averdick. In the story, a little girl named Elizabeth listens to a part of the Christmas story each day in December. She sings Christmas carols. It puts a picture on her wallpaper. Once she has 24 pictures on the walls, she knows Christmas has finally arrived. Hooray! And this is what we are contemplating is that we are just a mere few days away from the Christmas holiday as you are listening to this. And so... Um, we want to talk about peace with God today, and so Naomi has some introductory thoughts, and then, um, we will go from there. I am actually going to wait until after Dan does his awesome reading, because what I have to say is just relevant to what he's going to read. Um, All right, so, so sorry to mess it up for you, but... No, the... I, we're, the whole Advent thing is about anticipation, so, yes, we, will yes, an- yes, so we will anticipate yes. <laughs> Naomi's thoughts later on in the podcast. Um, so I will uh, let Denise read the first passage, and this one is about how John the Baptist turned the heart, turned the heart of Israel toward peace with God. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to him to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. Luke one eleven through 19. 
And if you read the rest of that passage, and I feel like I should probably should have included a few more verses there, you find that because of his unbelief, Zacharias was struck dumb, and he said, you will not speak until the birth of your child. So he came out from the temple um, wanting to speak, but not being able to. And if you know anything about priests back in the day who went into the temple on the Day of Atonement, first of all, it was a huge honor to be selected as that priest. And second of all, Zacharias probably would have had a rope around his waist because if the priest went before God on the Day of Atonement and was found unworthy, he could have been struck dead in the temple and they had to have the ability to pull him out. And so when he came out not speaking, I'm sure they were thinking, well, he definitely had some kind of encounter with God. Something happened. somebody off. So... (laughs) So it's just an interesting story and I just – I I want to highlight the fact that it says that many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God um, and then to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, just to make ready a people for the Lord. Um, in Malachi, it talks about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers and then he's following that up as the New Testament kicks off and he's saying this is going to happen through the ministry of John the Baptist. And I just, when I think about peace, I think about that, that John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was sent to to show the people that they could have peace through God and that Jesus was coming to bring that. Um, oh, I think two things of relevance for this particular verse. For uh, Zechariah, this is probably the first and only time he was able to go there behind the curtain. Also, according to like other sources from the time, it was likely he was in his mid-90s, mm. which explains, of course, why he was so confused about, hey, you're going to have a kid. <laughs> you um, have to think he was thinking I'm like about- 90 years old? Yeah, I, I Abraham and Sarah, though. Yeah. I wonder I read, if he thought that. I read a fictionalized account of this story uh-huh. and in that um <clears throat> elizabeth was like in her late 30s and i'm thinking that doesn't even make no. sense because my mom had a baby after 40 so it There's doesn't people have babies at 50 yeah it doesn't seem to make sense in the narrative that, that that would be a good interpretation because she would have to be really old yeah for people to really say this is impossible this is a and, miracle and mm-hmm. she was known as barren and it's a yes. miracle and it, the thing is, it's a good um, testimony for Mary because later when the the angel says, Mary, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be impossible, but it's going to happen anyway. She he tells her about this. Elizabeth. Yes. And that's why she goes to Elizabeth's house for three months. Yes. Because Elizabeth knows what she's going through. So, and Elizabeth is also a font of wisdom for her. Yes, exactly. So it's just interesting how God works all that out. But did either of you ladies have any thoughts on these, this first passage? In Isaiah, it says, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And can you imagine that in Isaiah is so relevant here to get that joy and go out in the peace of like, it's <laughs> crazy and it's peace. And I love how he said, how Gabriel says, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost because that was such a gift then because they didn't have the Holy Spirit then. And they were always craving that, you know, God, don't take your spirit from me. And he there he's given a promise right there in the beginning. He's going to have it from his mother's womb. Yeah. Also, 
people, um, especially I think Christians in America, tend to forget how blessed we are. Because the rest of the world looks over at America and says, oh, that's all a bunch of crazy people. Oh, hey, look at West Michigan. It's those crazy Christian guys. And we're sitting here and we're like, what's so crazy about this? Mm. I don't I don't understand why you think it's nuts. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we grow up about it. Our communities are about it. Our state's about it. Yeah. Our country is supposed to be about it, but it hasn't <laughs> been for quite a while. But still, I mean, we grew up with this. It's so normal. And then we have those especially brave people who go out to the rest of the world and like, why is everybody looking at me funny? And they come back and says, yeah, the rest of everybody else, they think we're absolutely nuts. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the funny thing about that, though, is as great as it is that it's normal in a sense, also there's truth to the fact that familiarity breeds apathy. Yeah. We don't realize – how great these truths are because we read these stories. We don't understand over the and over again. Right. And we, you know, this, that's why today we just want to sit back and just kind of think about what it must have been like to be in that temple. And We've for, never known without. And for Zachariah right. to come out of that temple and not be able to talk to anyone. I mean, just imagine him. He probably was motioning for, a, you know, a papyrus or a, or a clay or a slate pad or something. whatever it was just so he could get some words out and say this something weird happened to me. Give me this electronic tile or yeah, tablet I'm with a stylus. Yeah. <laughs> type, I'm going to send well, you a text. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to put it into our modern terms, yes, but we he didn't have texting. No. And so I'm sure he had to make a lot more effort to write the things he that he wrote. probably took a stick and wrote in the which sand. Which is another thing <laughs> about being deliberate about what we say because his unbelief cost him his voice for nine months but it also made sure he thought about what he wanted to no, say absolutely and yes. and definitely he had anticipation you oh know, yeah we're going i want to talk again dang it <laughs> we're going back to this whole idea of anticipation and mm-hmm. and welcome and i'm sure he was really excited to welcome his son into the world because he knew at that point he would be restored to be able to speak and if you read on in the passage you find out that he, the first thing he does after that is preach a sermon. Yeah. So yeah, this is so a guy. He, so he learned a lot of lessons. This is a guy who, despite his moment of unbelief, was very much a deep believer in God. Not like all the other priests and Pharisees who are very deep believer in the law. This guy says, "I don't care about the law. The law is great. It sends uh, sets a structure. I mean, it's awesome for that reason. But my focus is God. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who." Apparently, from what little we are told about his reactions, he he says, oh, "I don't get it. I'm kind of I don't believe right away because this moment of disbelief, you know, this my this my fault here. He gets made dumb. His only reaction is back behind the curtain where nobody but the angel can see him. He goes, hey, you're cute. And then he walks out perfectly calm. Yeah, this is a guy who went from oh crap to I'm calm. Let's get this going." Yes. I'm going to work. And I love how he said, you know, when he, he regains his voice, when God gives it back to him, yeah. when he, he just writes, his name is John. Not an explanation, you know, he doesn't give an explanation of what it is. He is just firm in what he knows is true. And he has to repeat himself several times. And he holds fast to it. You know, sometimes we think we have to say all the words, going back to just keeping it simple and thinking about what our words are, but just that simpleness that's just mm-hmm. oh i love it yeah it's amazing and the the next thing that i want to talk about is 
Jesus gives us peace with God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore? Thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And I just wanted to say that this is the last candle that we light. The circle, it's completed. And when Christ came, the prophecy was completed. And then, of course, we do see the prophecy of him completing, giving his life for us. And so, just as you're thinking, um, when you're lighting that last one, he says on the cross, it is finished. And yes. Absolutely. And everything that God said about his son came true or will come true. Mm-hmm. If you think specifically about the book of Matthew over and over again, it says these things are done that it might be fulfilled. These things are done that it might be fulfilled. When, when he brought, uh, when, when Jesus came from Egypt to Nazareth after the king died, he said that it might be f- fulfilled. Um, out of um, Egypt. Egypt have I called my son. And then he said, my son shall be called a Nazarene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that all those details, yep. you know, the, the odds are millions to one. That one person could fulfill every detail that the scriptures lay out for the Messiah, and Jesus did. I think the odds are like just to fulfill six prophecies in your lifetime is like one to six hundred million or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy astronomical, and yet it's true about him. I love how there's no detail too small, and in no way could anyone imagine how this was all going to come together, and then. God goes, hey, watch this. Bam. Like <laughs> 800 prophecies you know, fulfilled. Why, yeah. Why do we doubt? Why We do. Because most of us are ignorant. Mm-hmm. Literally. And interesting that you interesting that you asked that question because isn't that what Jesus asked his disciples over and over again? Why, why are do you, you doubting? Doubt? I'm always saying, you know, I believe just help my unbelief because it's yep. just there. It's just there. And I feel like if you, you meet God with that, he is going to meet you. Absolutely. And about this passage, something that is mentioned here that uh, we don't have the cultural uh, knowledge anymore about. When uh, in Galatians, when they mention the adoption of, of you to, or of God adopting you, back in that time, especially with Roman law, adoption was essentially a presidential pardon. No matter what you did beforehand, if you got adopted, that was all gone. Kind of like in Ben-Hur. Yes. You were adopted. Your whole past doesn't matter anymore. We burned it. It's gone. You are now so-and-so son of so-and-so or so-and-so daughter of so-and-so. And that's all that matters. So you're a new person? Yes. That is exactly why it's mentioned that way by Paul. Because he's trying to drive home a mm-hmm. point. Unfortunately, we don't see adoption the same way anymore. So it's all too easy for modern people to miss that particular point. Oh, that's beautiful. That adds greater depth to when Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's why, actually, I believe God made sure that Paul repeated that point in different wording. Oh, he repeated so many things. And sometimes when we see repetition in the Bible, we tend to skip over it because we're like, well, we read this. I remember one time we were going to go through the Psalms in church and they kept – they first they started going sequentially and then they started skipping around because they said, well, this is a lot of the same things here, here, and here. And I was like, wait a second. If it's saying the same thing over again. It might be important. That means that we need to hear it over again. So to me, that's that just means that you need to study it more. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we're almost to the end of our Advent celebration. And I've got to say, just sitting here in the studio with you guys – and contemplating Advent and contemplating the excitement with which God no doubt propelled these men to write these words and contemplating the anticipation not only of celebrating his incarnation but thinking about his coming back to earth. Um, it just fills me with excitement and humbles me that that we can even have these conversations. And with everything that's going on in the world, all the angst that people have, <laughs> uh, if you think about these things, you just feel so light. I feel so light right now because I really feel the truth of the scripture that says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So we have one final passage to talk about, and that is that he's coming again. Forever to bring peace. We've been talking about him coming the first time, but he's coming again. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, nor neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst for the, of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelations 21, 1-7 through That's what it's all about, folks. He says that if you come to him, he will let you drink of the water of life freely. He says that if you come to him, he will adopt you. He will be your God and you will be his son or his daughter. There could be no greater thing to come out of this Advent season, to come out of this Christmas season than for you to be born again by the power of the Spirit of God. And he can do that. These words that we've been reading over these last few weeks, they're not just words. They're not just poetry in a book that you can pick up or put down on your shelf with no consequence. These are truths. The Bible says that the word of God is mighty and that it is like a, a double-edged sword um, dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And so I hope that as you have been 
listening to these words, that that is what you have experienced, that you've thought about the truths, that you've taken time to contemplate them, that you've sat in quietness. We're so connected in our society and we're, we're very overly connected. And it's kind of ironic, actually, in a sense that I'm talking about this on a podcast where you have to be using technology to, to talk about it. But I just hope that as you turn off this podcast and you think about these few days before we have the Christmas celebration, that you think about all that God has given us. He gave us the incarnation and now he's going to give us that he's going to come back and we're going to see him. Job said, I know. And this was Job is like, is on record as being probably the oldest book in the Bible. And Job said, I know that in my flesh I will see God. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, whatever trials you're going through, he's going to wipe all tears from your eyes as Dan just read when the end of time comes and it's all going to be worth it. Um, Paul said the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the joy that is in us. And those of us at the Speaking for Him podcast, we want you to experience the joy of Advent. We want you to know the person of Jesus Christ. See, it's not just about words on a page. You can read the words of the Bible. You can know the words of the Bible even better than me. But if you do not know the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, then it's all for naught. So, my challenge for you is to get to know the founder of Christmas, as we talked about before, who himself is a child. Come to him with childlike faith and see him change you and make 2019 your best year ever. This is Andrew Gomison saying, have a great weekend and a wonderful Christmas and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.